Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. You're listening to DraftKings Network. This is the GM Shuffle. He has to hire people that aren't scared of him. And how many people aren't scared of him? How many people have enough balls to sit in the room and say, I think this is fucked up? You think a lot of people are going to go in there and say that? Of course not. He's got to hire somebody with some stature. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. Welcome to another edition of the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. I'm your host, Femi Abebefe. As always, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Our producer, Elliot Bowman, with us on the ones and twos. And Michael, before we get into everything, obviously a lot to get to here on this podcast. Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. we want to send a special thank you to all of our listeners and viewers of the YouTube. I mean, the Spotify rap stuff was coming out yesterday. We got a bunch of people tweeting at us that we're in their top awesome. five or we're in their top. I mean, yeah. that's just an unbelievable amount of support here for the GM Shuffle podcast. So I just want to start off saying thank, thank you to you. everybody that's listening, man. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. I appreciate it tremendously. I, I, uh, I love that. And hopefully we can continue to grow this podcast as we have and you know and maybe we'll take a detour and go down the jfk road eventually <laughs> as i continue to solve it i'm working on the jd Tibbet murder right now i don't think i'm ever going to get that figured out but we're working on it <laughs> i love the rob reiner murder one mystery. i said my man my man and uh my man solving jfk uh has done an incredible job i urge everybody to listen to that podcast if you're into this jfk thing which has kind of come to life the rob reiner one is really good but Matt has done a great job with solving JFK. And, and in this last episode, I tweeted it out. I, I used an Uncle Junior quote, the gravy's good today. Good gravy today. I love that. And he's sitting there at, at, at fucking, he's sitting there at Jackie's funeral, you know, eating with a, with, a, with a napkin in his thing. And can you imagine the dumb fuck almost died in three inches of water? Anyway, I digress. Uh, the, uh, you know, the, the fact is he, he asked all these people really good questions. You know, who, who do you think did it? You know, it's one thing to say there was, but somebody's got to answer the riddle. And I think that's great. I can't wait. Both these are, are coming out at the same time. It makes my uh, Wednesdays really good. There you go. Nice little early Christmas present for you there yeah. as it's now the holiday season. But the yeah. Christmas present's going to be the model of Dealey Plaza. I think Millie's going to get me that for Christmas so I could set it up in my living room. You know, just the whole model of Dealey with the grassy knoll, <laughs> with be... the umbrella man, <laughs> with the guy who had the seizure over there on the side that nobody talks about. You know, the Lee Bowers up in the rail, oh, in the trail, uh, in, the, in the railway station, you know, all that. It'll be there. Perfect. There you go. And you'll be able to move the model around and see what's going on and you yeah, get, I'll have get everything. Johnny Rosselli. Do you know Johnny Rosselli was in there and so was Jack Ruby. They were both at the, at there. So I'll have them there too. There we go. <laughs> but, uh, speaking of asking a lot of questions, uh, Panthers owner David Tepper was asked mm, a lot of questions yeah. earlier this week after the dismissal of head coach Frank Reich after just 11 games. The Panthers sitting at 1-10 right now in the season, uh, obviously off the rails, but it looks even worse when you factor in the fact that they don't have any first-round picks. And, and David Tepper was asked about, hey, like this is now another coach that you fired in season. Like, I, I don't you need to exercise a little bit of patience with this? Well, here's what he had to say when he addressed the Charlotte media earlier this week. I do have patience. I'm just not <laughs> – my reputation away from this game is one for extreme patience. You know, there's no reason why that doesn't, you know, come here too. It does. Now, that patience comes with good performance and things that you want to see progress be made on in different aspects. Um, and, as you know, as I said, you know, I would like to have somebody here for 20, 30 years. I'd like to – have somebody that would say eulogy at my funeral in 30 years. Okay, maybe it's 40 years, I hope. But uh, that's what I'd like to have. 
Well, I mean, to sum up what Tepper said, there's no patience without progress, and he deemed that there was I mean, no progress there with Frank Reich. Why is anybody giving him a hard time for making this call? I mean, give him a hard time for hiring Frank. Don't give him a hard time for firing Frank. The hiring was wrong. You could see it initially. We saw it here on the shuffle. Like, Frank had to go. You know, he was like Vito. He got to go. He had to go. All due respect to Frank, wonderful man. But Frank had, as we said last week, Frank had post-traumatic syndrome. He had to go. The issue really isn't everybody, when they go to these press conferences, they always talk in a linear base. They always want to react to what just happened, as opposed to ask the better question. Like, Mr. Tepper, why do you think you're going to get this right when you got it so wrong the last time? Or you've gotten it wrong two times in a row? Like, where have you gone wrong? You know, and they're and they're ripping this poor guy on on all the media platforms saying he's the next Daniel Snyder. No, he's not. I'm not defending him. His biggest his fundamental problem is simply this. And if he asked me or called me on the phone, which he'll never do. But if he did or if he read Gridiron Genius, he wouldn't have to. But he has to throw away his cell phone. He has to throw away. Is he in his other business? He don't listen to anybody. He knows in this business. He's listening to way too many people. And what I learned from Al Davis amongst a lot of things is nobody's trying to help you no one's helping you like all the people that are calling you they have an agenda on why they're calling and it's a self-serving agenda no one's out there like the salvation army just trying to give themselves to you completely they're not trying to do that at all so what he needs to do is go into a room and he needs to sit down and say to himself what do i want this team to be what what do i want this team to represent as david tepper the owner and then he's got to define that, and then he's got to find people that fit that. What he's learned, a, a horribly hard lesson that we all learn when we work in the National Football League. You could have all the goddamn meetings you want, and you get all the hands up, and people say, yeah, I agree with that move, I agree with that move, I agree with that move. And three minutes after they all say that, they're, they're in the kitchen eating, saying that was the dumbest thing I could have ever thought of. Nobody's honest in the room. No one. I'm just telling you, Femi, no one. I sat in a room, Art Modell comes in, and he says, should we cut Bernie Kosar? And everybody unanimously said yes. Okay? A half hour later, there were rumors there was dissension in the room. Hmm. Now, I know for a fact there were people that didn't say what they wanted to say in the room. This is Tepper's biggest issue. He's not getting pure, unadulterated, honest opinions from anybody. All he's getting is what people want him to say. They just want to get the meeting over with, and they want to cash their checks. He has this naive a belief of the National Football League that everybody's in it to win, everybody wants what's best, everybody's going to put their nuts on the line. No, the NFL is about survival. Everybody just wants to survive. They just want to, and they don't want any, and if the only way you survive in any business is to have no controversy. So he's learning a really hard lesson. And, and his patience, which he's getting ripped for, is probably not wrong, you know. And I think what he could be getting ripped for is intellectual humility. He, he doesn't understand the league. He keeps searching for the miracle. Ben Johnson, offensive play caller, wrong. You know, go. he needs somebody to come in and build an infrastructure. He needs a team builder. If he wants somebody to last 40 years, he needs somebody to walk in the room and say, Mr. Tepper, we are going to build this team this way, and this will be your team, and this is how we're going to do it for the rest of time. We will have a grading system that represents David Tepper. We will hire people to fill the roles, but they won't have a voice in how we build this team or what we prioritize in terms of the value we bring to this team. We're going to say offensive and defensive linemen are more critical than any other position. We're going to put all our resources in that. We're going to, you're going to define what kind of character we want to bring on the team, what you don't want, what you will take a risk with, and we'll go from there. And then after we're all gone 40 years from now, it'll carry on. But hiring Ben Johnson to be the team builder, he's hiring a play caller. I like Ben Johnson. But there's probably going to need to be 12 Ben Johnsons out there this year. But he needs a play call. He doesn't need a play caller. He needs a builder. He needs a foundational structure builder. And he needs to let the person come in and help him. Well, uh, uh, there's a couple things here that I want to get to. Like, how do the how does Tepper find somebody to be honest with him? 
Because if you said everybody in the room is just trying to get the meeting over and it's just going to be like, all right, yeah, we're all on board. Here we go. And then turn around five minutes later and be like, what the hell are we doing here? How does he get that 100% unfiltered, honest opinion? He, he, he has to hire people that aren't scared of him. And how many people aren't scared of him? How many people have enough balls to sit in the room and say, I think this is fucked up? I think you're messed up. He's a billionaire. He's a billionaire. You think a lot of people are going to go in there and say that? Of course not. He's got to hire somebody with some stature. He's got to hire somebody with some skins up on the wall that, that have the balls to say, this is wrong. This is not how you build a team. This is not what's best for the team. This is the way you do things if you want to be successful. If you're going to continue to call all the people on your cell phone, if you're going to take calls from NFL Network, you're going to take calls from ESPN, you're going to take calls, you got no chance. You might as well just give up. You might as well give up. You might have a winning time, but you're not. If you're David Tepper, you should take the Charlie Munger, God rest his soul, who just passed away. You should take his approach. You should go back and start reading about history. Read about Dan Rooney. Read about what he did. You know, read about what Bill Walsh did when he took over the 49ers and Eddie DeBarlow did that. Read about what Robert Kraft did when he took over the Patriots and what the mistakes he's made. Because he's making all of them. He's making all the mistakes these owners make because they think everybody's in the best interest of themselves. And no one is. No one is. Everybody's out for their ego. Everybody's out for their paycheck. Everybody's out for survival. And then when it's all said and done, I told him not to do that. I mean, I got fired at the Raiders because I literally went into the man and I said, if you hire Art Shell, this will be a disaster of epic proportions. I'm, I'm, I said that to his face. And he laughed at me. And I went home and I told, my, I told Millie, I said, if Art Shell wins, which has got no chance, we will be, we'll stay here forever. Because he'll be want to remind me how fucked up I was. If Art Shell <laughs> loses, he will fire me. He will fire me. Because he doesn't want to look at me knowing that I was right and he was wrong. That's just fact. But there's few people, and that's why people say, why aren't you in the league if you're so fucking smart? I'm not in the league because I say to tell the truth. Nobody wants to deal with that. You think John Marrett, the Giants, wants the truth? Of course he doesn't. He wants people to tell him that everything's going to be okay. Joe Sheen said that the other day. Daniel Jones, our starting quarterback, we'll figure out the draft when we get there. Okay, great. Okay, great. Even though DeVito's numbers are better than Daniel Jones when they played, and we know DeVito can't play, but that's a, that we're getting off track here. That's the problem. That's the biggest problem. There's no honesty. There's no, nobody's in there to tell him the truth. And maybe he doesn't want to hear the truth. Maybe he doesn't want to hear the truth. Yeah, well, to me, they'll have bigger set of problems there for the Carolina Panthers. Maybe like you can make money hand over fist owning an NFL team, but maybe you won't be able to go ahead and win there. But that, that is interesting. To, like we always talk about how like guarding your desk is something that people do in the NFL. You're hearing it right now here on the GM Shuffle. Like it's like not everything is always 100% honest. Not everything is always in the interest of the entire organization winning. It's maybe how do I keep my job? How do I elevate to another job? How do I do this? And it's, hey, it, it almost sounds like the corporate world in a sense. <laughs> it is. It's kind of like that. It's what it sounds like. Uh, on the other side, I want to ask you about who they might be able to bring in that has some skins in the wall, that has some cachet, and can tell David Tepper, hey, buddy, we're doing this all fucked up. Here's what we need to actually do to go ahead and turn this thing around. This is the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets in. Instantly download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Well, Michael, you were saying in the last segment that David Tepper needs to go out and hire somebody who has some pedigree and can actually tell him the 100% real to his face. Well, there's already some reports out there circling from our friends over at the Boston Globe that maybe we should be keeping a close eye on Bill Belichick going to the Carolina Panthers if Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick part their ways at the end of this season for the New England Patriots. Do you think that is a potential uh, match made in heaven with Belichick going down to the Charlotte to coach the Carolina Panthers? It doesn't sound like that's something Tepper wants to go down the road, giving somebody the ability to come in and run an organization completely. I think he wants to believe that the collaborative effort is what's going to get him. I mean, I know he met last year with Sean Payton. A lot of people thought Sean was going to get the job last year. And, and Sean, I don't even think, got back for a second interview. There was just – I think most of these owners, they think when they go after somebody with skins on the wall, let's just say Jim Harbaugh. Yep. They think these, own, they think these coaches, they want power. They want to run everything. And at the end of the day, if you're a great leader and you're a great coach building something sustainable – you're really not looking for power. You're looking for the ability to run your culture. You're not power hungry. You're culture hungry. And for you to have that ability to install your culture. I mean, how great was it the other night? I mean, I'm, this made me so proud. I was so happy. I, I got to send my man from the, the Miami Heat a, a text. I forgot to do that yesterday. I mean, the Heat wore jerseys that said Miami culture yeah. on the play-in game. How great was that, right? How great was that? Like... That's what they need. Now, Riley went down there. He had skins on the wall. He installed it, and his owner allowed him to do it. I'm not sure that, I'm not sure that Tepper sees his problems with his organization that way. Trep, Tepper's a transactional investor. He's a hedge fund guy. He, everything is probability. Everything is based on, if I get the right guy, I'm going to make money. You know, when you, you know, if you read a lot about Munger, and certainly at, at, when he passed away, a lot of people have, and we wrote a column about him today in the Daily Coach, but he, you know, Munger idolized Ch Ch Ben Franklin. I mean, can you imagine he, Ben Franklin? He thought Ben Franklin was the most amazing human being, and we'll never see anybody like him again the rest of our life. Somebody who was so versed in, in inventions, politics, you know, all the things that he did. And, and, and if you were Ben Franklin running the Carolina Panthers, you would basically find what's the main thing that I have to do to win. And then you would make sure that you have it. And you would basically keep the focus on the main thing instead of being all over the place, instead of thinking you're just this one person away from being great. You're not. When you say we just need Ben Johnson, and Ben Johnson might be, the great, might be great. He might be great, but he's never going to be able to install a system of what it's going to take to build a championship without some help from somebody above him. And I don't know if Tepper can do that. That's the issue. So for me, as I look at Tepper's problems, they're institutional problems, not play problems. They have play problems. But until he gets his process and his structure in place, until he declares who he wants his team to be, who are we, he can't get anywhere. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like like you should be chasing culture, not chasing play calls. Because like the play calls, right. you you could have a good season, and like where hey, we made the playoffs, we did all this stuff. But when you chase culture, that's when you can maybe get the sustained success, which every organization, at least they say, that's what they want. Right. Well, let's take Detroit. Like Detroit's a great example. Or you know, Detroit. That you know, if Ben leaves, will they will they go down a step? Will they go down a step? I mean, there's, you know, probably a good chance, you know, that's the problem. You know, when you become subjected to some coaches, you know, and then all of a sudden you lose a coach, the culture can't carry it over. 
and that's what you're going to need to do, you know? And I, and I think that happens a lot in the NFL, especially if your culture starts to wane away. Oh, it's, I, think, I think it's a really fascinating discussion. I mean, obviously it's easy to say if you're not an NFL owner, but it's like, why don't you just try to listen to like whoever the best person is at doing this? But I guess if you have a billion dollars, maybe you have a little bit of an ego and you have a lot of yes people who are telling you that you're doing the right thing. So maybe you don't actually see the entire force because you're maybe too close to the trees. Uh, but yeah, I think it's interesting what's going to happen down there in Carolina. Uh, people say that's not a good job, but I mean, it's one of 32. Somebody's going to definitely take that job, yeah. especially whether they pay. I, I mean, but here's what he's doing. When, when, you, when you talk on the phone, when you listen to other people you lose your sense of independence and and really only in fairy tales are emperors told uh, that they're naked i mean like this is what happens so he has no independence he's relying on the herd and when you rely on the herd there's always going to be a regression to the mean when you rely on other things you know, when you rely on rational, in, without independence, without people that will be willing to tell you the truth, then you're just going to be like a lot of them. And you can, they'll come in and tell you in the interview, they won't, they won't tell, they'll tell you the truth. But I, I've, I've been in the league 40 years. I've been in a lot of meetings. The people that move up the ladder are the ones that cause no conflict. The people that get thrown out of the league cause conflict. Well, got to get along to move along, as they, as they say sometimes in the, in the corporate world there. Uh, let's transition over to our favorite team here on the GM Shuffle. That's the New York Jets. I say that obviously tongue-in-cheek. Sorry, Jets fans. I don't mean to make you mad already. But uh, the New York Jets got some news earlier this week that their quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, has opened up the 21-day practice window. The Jets went ahead yeah. and opened this up, which has been a storyline throughout the season of can Rodgers come back from the torn Achilles? He tore his Achilles about three months ago. It was on September 11th. Now we're sitting here on November 30th, and he's now back out there on the practice field in limited fashion. And the head coach, Robert Sala, has kind of couched this in that, hey, like, this is not him to return to play. This is all a part of the rehab process. Rodgers went on Pat McAfee's show earlier this week saying, like, it's going to have to be where my health is at and also where the team is at in terms terms of being in playoff contention, but a, a nice sight out there to see for Gang Green that uh, Aaron Rodgers back on the practice field throwing the passes to teammates and not just staffers. Yeah, I mean, it, then and what all this does is take away, it really, all this does is take away from the Jets' performance, right? It really, t this, and I, and I admire what Aaron's doing, trying to come back and playing, but all this does is really, it takes away from the real core issues of what's wrong with the Jets. And, you know, and it's not, and when you basically just say it's one player, when we're just, which is what they said all off season, right? They didn't need to practice mm -hmm. that much because they got Rodgers. Send the players home early. We don't need OTA days. We got Rodgers. Now in the off season, we don't have Rodgers. Everything's going to be fine when we get Rodgers back. Like, tell me when this has ever worked. Tell me when this has ever worked. See, what happens is when you do this gimmick, when you try to portray this gimmick as working, you avoid responsibility and discipline. It's a fact. It's one of Bill Walsh's staples. You know, when you're on a losing streak, don't sell quick fixes. He used to say it all the time. Don't he tell coaches all the time, don't sell quick fixes. Don't tell the team, if we just do this, we're going to win. No, no, that's not the case, right? Because when you do that and you don't win, you've lost credibility. So when you try to sell quick fixes in any business, right, when you try to become okay, then you avoid responsibility and you avoid the discipline needed for the overall sustainable fix. And that's what's going on in New York right now. So every time we get a report about Rodgers, we know he's not coming back. Did you watch him move around on the field yesterday? I did, yeah. It would be criminal to put him on the field. There's no way. Behind a bad offensive line and he can't move, and in, and in 20 days he's all of a sudden going to move really well? I mean – but the reason we're having these conversations is we take the eye off the target. We take how bad the, how bad Saul is, how bad that the Jets are supposed to be this incredible defense, right? That, you know, when you look at the – it's all the quarterback's fault why they can't play run defense, you know? Meanwhile, teams, they're 31st in rushing attempts against their defense because people go into the game knowing they can run the football on. It's what they do. And so it takes away from what the – they can't score points. Since the bye week, I think they've scored 60 points. They average 12 points. I mean, they can't score points. 
It's it's been a bad situation. I mean, like you talk about some of the acquisitions that they made. Uh, Alan Lazard, their forty million dollar off season acquisition in free agency, he was a healthy scratch last week. Randall Cobb, he barely plays anything. Dalvin Cook, who if you watch Hard Knocks, they were making it out that they were signing Dalvin Cook in twenty eighteen or something like that, based on the the fanfare around him. Like he barely gets out on the field. It, it just feels like to me like this is a team that like there was there was a lot of smoke, a lot of hype around this thing, but there's been no fire. There's no, and, and even there's if Aaron, been no and, substance. Yeah, there's no, there's substance. no substance, right? Yeah. I mean, look, I was wrong. They've scored 50 points since their bye week, mm. right? There we go. And, and and they've allowed 119. So they give up 23.8. They score 10. Last two weeks, they've given up 66 and they've scored 19. You know, and so uh, they 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 can't stop the run. You know, and when you look at it, this is what she tells you something. They are the last team in the National Football League by almost two carries of how many rushing attempts they face every week. They get teams go in there running the ball 33.2 times. Now you could say, okay, that's because they're they're always behind. Uh, I get that. Well, then why aren't the Patriots in the 31st team? Why why isn't Carolina? Right? I mean, why aren't they trying to do that? Because teams go into the game saying, okay, we can attack their eight-man front. We know how they're going to play run fits, and if we can run the ball, and teams have done it. I mean, I've been saying it all year. Their run fits aren't where they need to be. They don't tackle as well. They're a good defense. They're not an elite defense. They can't carry the team like the Browns' defense has carried their team. Yeah. And when you look at the Cleveland Browns, I don't know if the quarterback play has been as bad as the Jets, but it hasn't been much better. And they're still sitting there with 7-3 and three or whatever and like still in the thick of the playoff race. If you asked Ray Lewis, like, what what is the best, you know, do you consider a great defense 26th in the NFL on third down? I mean, if you're a truly great defense and you get to third down and you can rush the passer, you're going to create some turnovers. You're going to create some issues. The Jets can't do that. They can't. They just, it's fact. They haven't really, they didn't do it last year. They didn't create turnovers. That's one of the big things coming into the season. And so, you know, they rank 29th, they rank 26th on third down defense. If they're so good, how are they not better on third down? Why? Because it's third and one all the time? Of course not. Of course not. You want to blame that on Nathaniel Hackett? See, everything gets blamed on all we need is Rodgers back. Again, the quick fix. No responsibility, no accountability, no discipline. And if Rodgers were to come back, it's like behind that offensive line, yikes, man. Good luck out there, buddy. <laughs> I don't know if you want to. I hope to he doesn't. I really don't. Yeah, that, that, I hope he doesn't. Seems like it's a I safety hazard. I think the bigger issue, the bigger issue, they asked me this on McAfee this week, the bigger issue is what do you do? Is is Woody just going to sit there and say everybody gets a mulligan? If he says that, for me, then he doesn't know what the real problems are. Yeah. Well, do you think this gives them a little morale boost seeing Rodgers out there uh, come Sunday against the Falcons? I think that's why Aaron's doing it. I think Aaron's yeah. trying to pump up the team. Well, they're a two-and-a-half, three-point dog at home against Desmond Ritter and the Atlanta Falcons. If they don't win that game, then we can kind of just put all this off to the side here, but it's probably not going to happen nonetheless. All right, we'll continue on the other side. quarterback has been the big story in New England for much of this season based on what they've been getting from a level of play out there. Patriots obviously right now one of the worst records in the NFL and at practice this week we have found out that uh, Bailey Zappi and even Malik Cunningham were the only quarterbacks throwing to some of the wide receivers and tight ends during the media portion. Zappi taking the first team reps on Wednesday. Mac Jones running the scout team. Uh, Just your quick reaction to that and also we can get into the bigger conversation about this New England QB situation. I mean, for me, I don't know how you can go back to Mac. I really don't. I don't know how you can go back to Mac. I mean, it, you watch the tape of the game. It's really frustrating. You know, I, I did a real deep dive on Mac this week, went back and watched a lot of the 21 games, watched the 22 games, because this career trajectory that he's on is abnormal. Usually you start shitty and you get better. You don't start good and get shitty. And so for me, you can't, I don't think you can put him back. I didn't think you could put him back on the field. I think he sees things that are not there. And that's not a good thing, right? He sees things that are not there and he panics and he's costing the team games. And Belichick has to see this. And he says, basically, look, I got to, you know, I'm going to, 
even though I don't think Zappy's better, you know, I got to I got to do something because if I don't, I'll have I'll have a performance like I did against the Saints where the team won't really just sit team says screw it. Yeah. And, and right now, I believe they're about a five-and-a-half-point underdog at home to the Los Angeles Chargers. Some people in the betting market have been betting New England. They took the sixes, so uh, they got I'll, that I'll going say this, them. Femi. I'll say this, and, and I know I'll get called a homer for this, but if you watch the game tape of the – you know, the Patriots have only given up 40 points in the last three weeks. I mean, they've played really good defense. Uh, now, they haven't played against great quarterbacks. I grant you that. But, I mean, they played as good a defense against Gardner Minshew and the Colts. They gave up 10 points over in Germany. Their run blocking and their ability to run the ball, they just can't make any plays in their passing game. You know, and, and a lot of it is the quarterback. A lot of it is the lack of separation. A lot of it is the attention to detail uh, within the scheme of the offense. A lot of it is a breakdown here, breakdown there. But it isn't like, oh, my gosh, they can't do anything. They can do something. No, they can't get the ball in the end zone. We know that. They can't make a play when they get down there. I mean, they can't make a play. And that's a difficult thing. And if the running backs doesn't break a tackle, it's it's almost impossible. Head coach Bill Belichick did not reveal who will be starting when they take on the Los Angeles Chargers on Sunday. But I think a lot of people are kind of trying to put two and two together and say it's likely going to be Mac Jones, or sorry, Bailey Zappi instead of Mac Jones starting on Sunday. But uh, this obviously has been a topic of conversation, not just on our podcast, but throughout all of football media. And WEI in Boston had on one of our uh, podcast favorites, ESPN's own Dan Orlovsky, talking about the Patriots quarterback situation. He had this to say, as among some other things. Uh, Mike Lombardi on his GM Shuffle podcast said and used this word. Said Mike Lombardi that, hates me. Okay. Well, he said, so there's no love lost then. Wait, why? Said, wait, 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 why? I do not know. Huh. Okay. Okay. Well, he said that there was, that he believes there's disdain on the team for Mac Jones. Have you heard anything along the lines of that? I haven't heard anything like that. No, I mean, but as lo- as far as you know, he just has disdain for you. <laughs> I yeah, I I know I know very publicly. Mike Lombardi does not like me. Huh? Wow, that's so it's strange. A long list. It's that, a long list. It's a long list. Who else is on the list? It's a long list, man. Who, who else? Yeah. Is on you got, the list? Hey, no. you got haters. <laughs> yeah, it's part of life. That audio courtesy of WEEI in Boston. Do we I want to clear do, the record. Do we I want to clear the record, fruit, Femi. Fruit basket? What's going on? All right, clear the record. I, I, want, I mean, I want to clear the record. I do not hate Dan. I don't. I don't even know him. I've never shaken his hand. I don't agree with his opinions. I don't agree with what he says at times. It has nothing to do. He's taking this very personally, Sonny. This man is taking it very personally. It's strictly <laughs> business that I disagree with him on. And I wish there are times I could have a conversation with them to say, Dan, do you realize what you're saying is this? I'm not saying I'm right all the time, but if he thinks that the people in the league respect what he's saying based on some of the outlandish things he says, it's it's not the right thing to do. It's like I know there was a lot of people that were very upset with him in the in the in the in this preseason because they felt he was putting way too much pressure on the young quarterback, Justin Fields. I kept saying, let's lower the, let's lower the expectations on Fields, right? I'm not a Fields lover, yeah. but I wanted to, but he's not going to go from, how many times did I say he's not going from good to great? He's going to get, let, let's get him get good before we talk about the MVP. So for me, Dan, I, the, the problem with Dan is he's become this generation's Sean Salisbury, saying outlandish things that really you can't back up. That's where I have a problem. I don't have any hate for him. I don't. I don't know him. I'm sure he's a really good person, and he's entitled to his opinion. There's no question. He can have an opinion. I don't agree with his opinions, and I would like to tell him why I think his opinions are wrong, and that's what I try to do on the pod when he says some things that he does. You know, I'm not always right. I'm not saying I am. I I would welcome anybody to say. I, I get phone calls. People say, I think you're wrong on that. Okay, I hear you. Here's why I thought this. And, and he's entitled to that. However, that being said, I, I don't hate him. As it relates to Mac Jones, I mean, you, you, if you're in the role he's in and you have that much influence and you're on all these programs all the time, you gotta, you got to talk in truth. I never used the word disdain, I don't believe. If I did that, my intentions were to bring to light the fact that he doesn't connect to his teammates that there is a complete unlikability between the quarterback and the team. 
and how much likability is really important. And that's where I was going with it. For Mac, when you watch Mac and you watch him in 21, the team kind of liked him. You know, they were around him. He was really well coached in 21. The offensive line was 15 times better in 21 than it is today in terms of their execution, their fundamentals, their techniques, all those things. I'm not talking, I'm sure Coach Belichick probably feels the same way when he watches 21 tape. They're just not the same team. Now, they have a lot of different players, but the level of play isn't the same. See, part of a job of a personnel guy is to see the player and then see where the players could get to. That's part of it. And it doesn't blame it on the coaching, but it blames it on looking at those things. And Mac in 21 was confident. He had more poise. He still did dumb things on tape, but they were far fewer. They relied more on the run game. He didn't really make a lot of plays down the field, but they were usually in the right play at the right call at the right time, and they played good defense. They played really good complementary football. And because he didn't turn it over to the rate that he is, they won games. If he played to this year the way he played in 21, they would not be a 2-9 and nine team. They wouldn't be a 9-2 a, a, a and two team either. But they would be a lot better. They would be a... a uh, let's say a five and seven type of team, maybe a six and seven. You know, they'd be somewhere in the middle of the pack. They wouldn't be this bad. But because the line is playing so poorly in terms of pass protection, because he has no confidence in what he's doing, because he's not really just following the offensive path, there's not attention to detail from his play, it's kind of hopeless. And there's no way you could put him back on the field. And Zappi, as bad as he's played, he has to go out there. Uh, two things based on what you have said here. I, I can attest, like, I don't think you've, like, we've talked obviously off the air and all this stuff. I don't ever get the vibe that you dislike Dan Orlovsky. Like you mentioned, it's just that like you disagree with some of his takes, which I think is healthy in the football discord. And we have, I disagree have, with, let's put it clear. I disagree with 99.9% of his 99. takes. Okay, let, let's make that, he, he, and that's the reason he's on the tip of my tongue is because yeah. most times when he talks, he really doesn't understand what he's saying and what he's trying to explain to is is not always correct through my eyes i could be wrong too maybe he's right and i'm wrong yeah which i think is healthy when we have like these football discussions this is just we're all just talking football we have our opinions you know like like we've all done this before so i don't think there's any sort of like personal vendetta there with dan orlovsky like you said you've never met him maybe he's a nice guy maybe we'll all meet super bowl week we'll go we'll all go out to esther's kitchen get who knows maybe that will get something in the works for that but the second thing though i want to get to you though is you mentioned mac jones obviously much different in 21 the offensive line was much better they were playing complimentary football no bigger game than that bills game when there was like 80 mile per hour wind and they were just like, hey, like, let's go ahead and just run the football. Mac, you make a couple plays if you have to, and we'll go ahead and get out of here with the victory. What Do you think that this all comes down to, like, and, and I hate to just boggle it down to this because I know there's a lot of other factors at play as well, but, like, in 21, they had Josh calling the plays, Josh McDaniels, and he was terrific. Do you think that that's where this kind of went off of the rails, that, like, all right, he and Josh had a good rapport, and maybe he hasn't found that rapport after that? I think there's a lot to that. I also think some events have happened through his play, you know, through the tripping, through his behavior, through his actions. This isn't just, again, it's not one thing. They miss Josh. There's no question about that. They miss the O-line coach. There's no question about that. Carmen, who went, who's now the Raider line coach. They miss Dante, whomever you want. They haven't really, that has not been replaced. It was one of the key hires of the offseason for the Patriots. And so far this year, that hasn't manifested itself as an improved area. It just hasn't, you know, and I'm not blaming anybody. I know that Adrian Clem has blood, has, has something going on in terms of he had to take some kind of leave of absence. So, again, wish him well. But I think there's it's more of what his behavior has been, too. I mean, the tripping call, you know, how, you know, even over in London, he did something over on the sideline. Like, just his whole style hasn't endeared himself to his teammates. It hasn't. And it's not a disdain, it's a connectivity to the team. To the team. And because it's not always their fault, it's sometimes his fault, there has been that gap. And I know this, having been in locker rooms before, if the quarterback isn't really 
loved by the team or feel like they're part of the team. I mean, for all you want to say about Baker Mayfield, there's connectivity there. I don't think he's good enough. And I would say the same thing. But to me, Mac might be good enough, but there's no connectivity. Like what Mac needs is what Sean Payton did for Russell. Get him more likable. Yeah, well, we'll see what happens the rest of the way. But I don't think we're going to be seeing much more of Mac Jones as Patriots quarterback here. Maybe, who knows, maybe Zappi is going to be a complete disaster on Sunday and they'll have to turn back to Mac Jones or could we eventually see Malik Cunningham? Like, is that on the table? Like, I feel like at this point, we got to start trying some stuff here in New England to get something going offensively because uh, the season has gone off the rails out there. But we'll see what happens on Sunday when they take on the Los Angeles Chargers. All right, on the other side, we will get to the marquee showdown. Maybe, Michael, maybe it's an NFC title game preview of the NFC title that we saw last year between the Niners and the Eagles, as well as some other marquee matchups. This is the GM Shuffle. Once again, the game of the week involves the defending NFC champion Philadelphia Eagles along this gauntlet stretch that they've had parked in the middle of the season. They are now hosting the San Francisco 49ers this Sunday in an NFC title game rematch. And when you look at the betting market, I think a lot of people raise their eyebrows when they see that the Niners are three-point road favorites with a total sitting at 47. And there's been a lot of chatter, Michael, about this game here as well. I mean, Debo Samuel last year called James Bradbury the corner for the Eagles. He called him trash. Asked about it again this week. Says he doesn't regret saying any of that. And then Hassan Reddick with a quote that I wish we had the audio for this one because this is a hell of a quote. He said, quote, it was a lot of boo-hoos last year. A lot of crying. A lot of what if. A lot of this. A lot of that. They get a chance to come back in here, line that shit up and prove it again is what Hassan Reddick said about the San Francisco 49ers. So uh, it's going to be spicy at the link Sunday afternoon. Now, it's a playoff game. I mean, I, I can only imagine what the rating for this game is going to be. Oh, monster. Right? I can it's only imagine. I mean, the numbers that have gone through the ratings have been astronomical over the few weeks. And, you know, look, the Eagles, whatever you think about how they played, the reason why San Francisco is favored is because when you model games and you model numbers and, like I do, you have to take bias out. You, you can't you, – you can only go by the data. And then the betting market always is trying to figure out what side they're going to get action on. So when they open up this line, I think everybody, professional bettors or amateur bettors, all had San Francisco modeled at a higher rate. I know I had this as a 1.5 game. Now, the betting market has moved it to three, which is shocking, right? But when you look at it, it's really not. When you consider the fact that teams that have come off an overtime game you know, are 125 and 157 straight up. And they're 130, 150, and two in the last decade against the spread. So there's, there's an element of exhaustion here. You know, they played 90 more plays than the Buffalo Bills. And they played a physical game the week before with Kansas City on a Monday night. So they had a five-day. So in the stretch of two weeks, this Eagle team hasn't practiced. And I think to me... When we go forward, this game probably will be whoever wins will be a rematch. This is to me like Rocky won. We're going to get a rematch. You know, we're going to we'll get another rematch. If San Francisco wins, there'll be another rematch, and Philadelphia will come back and play. If Philadelphia wins, we'll probably get a rematch again. But I think right now, based on the last three weeks and based on numbers, San Francisco is healthier. They're fresher. And, you know, they match up well against Philadelphia, especially if Philly isn't going to play the level of defense that they played last year. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And just to add kind of the stakes to this game, it feels like to me, Michael, that to where whoever wins this game is likely going to get the home field advantage come January. Like, I get that the Eagles have two games up on the, on the Niners, but the Eagles also have a tough game next week at Dallas on Sunday Night Football as a part of this stretch that has been a gauntlet for them in the middle of the season to where maybe the Niners, if they win this game, get a little bit of help from Dallas next week, then they have the tiebreaker over Philadelphia to go ahead and run the table and maybe host this game as opposed to last year when we saw the Niners have to travel to Philadelphia. But when you look at the tape and you break down the X's and O's, you mentioned Philadelphia's defense not really playing up to snuff here 
I mean, it feels like the Niners offensively, their passing game has been dynamic. Purdy, he is now healthy. He's good to go. This is what we all wanted to see last year, this Eagles defense against this Niners offense. And now we're going to see it with Purdy at least healthy. We're hoping, knock on wood, that he makes it through this game and there's no other hiccups. Well, I mean, look, the, the Eagles defensively have struggled, you know, in both areas, run and pass in the last two weeks. Kansas City ran for 168 against them. You know, and if Scantling makes that catch, you know, they're going to go well over the two the 200-yard passing mark, and they're going to have more than 336 yards, but he didn't, and it's there, right? And this Eagle defense has been vulnerable. Like we said, they played a, they played a zillion plays. They played 92 plays against Buffalo. Buffalo had 505 yards against them. So, you know, and Buffalo was able to move the football effectively. I think when you watch Philly, we talked about this earlier today about the Jets. Philly's 30th in the league on third down defense. They're 29th in the red zone. Situational football hasn't been good to Philly. Now, they, you know, one of the stops they got was against Dallas. They're good situationally offensively. They're third in the league on third down, and they're fifth in the red zone. So they compensate for one another. But this will be a hard matchup because of the freshness of Philly. And if San Francisco comes out and they throw the football, right, they're, they're going to get a game where, you know, Philly doesn't see many teams try to run the ball. They're second in the league in rushing attempts against them. They're 32nd in the league in passing attempts. Everybody looks at Philly and says, we got to throw it on them. Yeah. We got to throw it on them. And San Francisco will run it on them because they know they need to run to throw. They need play action pass to block them. Yeah, and if they can block, that's the thing that we talk about with the Eagles defense. If you can block them, you can make plays down the field because that secondary is a little bit vulnerable, and those linebackers a little bit vulnerable as well. We saw that they brought in Shaq Leonard on a free agent visit. They're kind of acknowledging, hey, we're a little bit thin at linebacker. N'Kobe Dean, he hasn't been able to stay healthy. Now Zach Cunningham, he's been hurt for the Philadelphia Eagles. So linebacker, which is a position that, yeah, like it's never been like the biggest strength for the Eagles, but it's now banged up against a team that usually exploits the second level of a defense there with Kyle Shanahan and what that offense can do. But what about on the other side of it, though, when the Eagles have the ball and the Niners are on defense, is this Niners defense equipped to handle what Philadelphia has been able to do, especially in the passing game? It feels like the Eagles' passing game this year has been better and the run game hasn't been as effective as what we saw a year ago. Yeah, well, I think this. I think, you know, look, San Francisco has given up a lot of, you know, in the last two weeks they've given up 63 weeks. They've given up 65 first downs. So you've moved – people have moved the ball on them, Right. The problem is, you know, you can't get it in the end zone. They're number one in points allowed defensively. You know, they're fifth in yards. You can move the ball, you know, but they're, they're so good. 27, they're 27th in the league in drives, which is really fifth in the league, in drives not ending up with points. They're third in the league in drives ending up with points. So what San Francisco forces you to do is they're not giving you the big play they force you to put together six, seven, eight, nine, ten plays of really good plays. And this, to me, is a game where if you're Nick Sirianni and you're the offense coordinator, this is a second down game. This is really a second down game because what you want to be able to do is get into that third and one or get a first down because you'll convert a lot of that. If you get it into where you're in third and seven, all of a sudden that plays in the strength of San Francisco's defensive front. So to me, this is really – this is going to come down to on Monday morning when we look at the game sheet. If Philly has 10 or less third downs, they're probably going to be in the game. They're going to win it. Eight or less, they're going to win it. If they have more than that, they won't. Ultimately, who do you think wins this game? I think San Francisco wins the game. I think so. I think Philly is – I mean, look, they'll give it a good effort. I just think Philly's at this point of their season where, you know, you you stack up plays against what they played against. I mean, you play Monday night, a big game. You know, you, you come out and you make the plays to win that game at the end. And then Buffalo, you're playing a doubleheader against Buffalo. And this is coming off of Dallas, which you had to buy. I think it's hard to practice for San Francisco's physicality too, right? You think Philly practiced very much? Doubtful. I don't think so. Now, they say Lane Johnson's going to go, you know, but there's other guys. You got Fletcher Cox groin. You know, you mentioned Zach Cunningham's injury. Look, I, I think this will be a game where, if Philly's going to need to make some big plays in their passing game, because it's not going to be 4, 4, 5, 18, 12, 3, 5. It's, it's hard to put those kind of plays together against San Francisco.
Yeah, and maybe they get some added boost in the passing game with Dallas Goddard. It sounds like he's pushing to play in this game. We'll see where he's at later on today and Friday, but coming back from the, the broken forearm there that he suffered in the win over the Dallas Cowboys before the bye week. So if they can get Goddard back, maybe that gives them a little bit of a boost there. But I can't wait to watch the game. I agree with you, though. I think the Niners ultimately get it because it's a brutal spot here for Philadelphia. Uh, how about the game in Los Angeles? I, but I think I would take Philly in the points, though. You, I think three think is too be, much. I really three is a little bit too much? I think it is. I, I really do. Although the Niners have played well on the road, and they've loved this challenge. I mean, look, they've got extra rest. They went down to Jacksonville, dominated that game. You know, immediately they started out. Pittsburgh, off the, off the opening game of the year, they started it out. I mean, this, one thing we'll see for sure, which, which I'll love about this game plan, is Kyle Shanahan's his, his vision on how he wants to attack this Philadelphia defense. What formations he in, how he wants to set things up, that to me is what makes this game so good is because you learn so much about each team, the way they practice and play against the way they play against one another. Another game in the afternoon is the Browns at the Rams and head coach Kevin Stefanski. They came out and said that, Hey, it's going to be Joe Flacco as QB two behind Dorian Thompson Robinson. So if DTR cannot clear concussion protocol, we're going to see Joe Flacco, who they signed about, yeah. what, 10 days ago or two weeks ago, starting out there for the Cleveland Browns against the L.A. Rams in a, in a pivotal game for both of these teams. Look, look it, the formulas for the Browns are simply this. Don't turn the ball over with the offense. Keep it simple. Run the football and win the defense. And this is a good matchup for them because the Rams need the run game to win. And it's going to be hard to run the ball against Cleveland. Now, teams have run the ball on the road against Cleveland. Cleveland's defense has not been as good on the road as they have been at home. But this is a big one for Cleveland. This is one where they win the trenches. Cleveland should be able to win this game because of their ability to dominate the offense and the defensive fronts against a Ram team. Last week, they ran the ball like crazy against Arizona, but everybody runs the ball against Arizona. Everybody can run the ball against Arizona. You know, as Austin Powers says, they're the village bicycle. Everybody has a ride, right? So, you know, it's like they're going to run the football against them. So, this this is a game where Flacco comes in, you know, twelve. He's gonna throw it twenty three, twenty four times. How you manage the game, kind of what what Sean's doing with Russell Wilson. Now lose the game, punts a good play. We're not worried about Stafford. We'll we'll get Stafford rattled a little bit with our rush, assuming Miles Garrett's healthy. Yeah, it sounds like Miles Garrett has a sh good shot to play, is what Stefanski said earlier this week. Uh, I took the points. I took five earlier in the week. I'd still kind of lean toward taking three and a half as well with Cleveland. I think this is going to be a field goal game either way. Real quick, we have to go rapid fire on these last three ones since we're coming up against it. Thursday night football, Seahawks, Cowboys. Are you taking the points with Seattle, or do you just want to go ahead and stay away from this Dallas juggernaut at home at least? Well, I mean, Dallas, look, they're not just a juggernaut at home. I mean, they're unbelievable the way they score points. You know, I have not heard Kellen Moore's the loss of Kellen Moore going to affect this Cowboy. I keep waiting to hear that. Where is it? I don't hear it. I mean, they you know, as, as, as Uncle Junior said, is someone talking in here? I don't hear this. I haven't heard this conversation. Why don't we run the numbers? Look at the numbers of this year's Cowboys team compared to last year. Look at Dak's numbers this yeah. year to last year. I've done it, you know, and we don't have time to go into it. But they're playing really well. You say, well, the level of comp. Well, they're playing the same East schedule as the Eagles play. Yeah. I mean, they got to play the same schedule. They're from the East. Come on, give me a break. They're playing really well, and they score so fast. They score so fast. Seattle can't run the ball. I mean, that's their biggest issue. They're way behind in their, to me, their rushing attempt. They, they can't get balance. And when he doesn't have balance, Pete Carroll on the offense, they can't win, win throwing the football. They're throwing five more times a game than they did last year. Dak's having his best season so far here. Real quick, who wins between the Broncos and the Texans? That's a big one. Yeah, I mean, I'm leaning Broncos in that game, but I got to do more work. Let's ride. That does it for us here on the GM Shuffle Podcast. We will talk to you guys on Monday to recap everything from week 13.